That was that was great sounds Watson with outside on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself Preston with my partner in crime, Long Island raised, Elm City made, E Z Blues is in the building. Easy Blues, you are better with introductions more than me. Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? Ladies and gentlemen, the great philosopher Whitney of Houston once did say that I believe the children are the future. T- them well and let them lead the way this is what is so important because it is not just about the now but it is about future that isn't what is important for all of us to understand that when we invest upon the future we invest upon the generations to come we are truly investing on the happiness of where we can be this next person works very very hard in the community to understand that it is more than just the now for that, I want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving. If you're driving, please keep your hands at 10 and 2. We do not need any accidents. But mentally, I want you to put the hands together for the amazing, the fantastic, the phenomenal Christian Shabu. Easy. <laughs> Preston, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I got to tell you, that is going to be the first and only time in my life that I am in the same sentence as Whitney Houston. So, so thank you, <laughs> and I appreciate that intro. <laughs> The man tries his hardest. He really does. We Puts aim to thought, meet. Intuition, love. I, I, mm-hmm. So much fun. This is, this, yeah. is, this is the best part of my week, to be honest with you. Um, I, <laughs> no, but, but what's, what people might have not gotten from the introduction itself, um, you are someone who actually goes in and not in the gentrification type of way, invests in your community, invests in your neighborhood, and make sure that community members can stand up and stand on their own. Um, what got you onto that path? And I know that, you know, I took the jump to, to you know, all the incredible things you're doing. We'll get to the smaller things you do as well. Sure, sure. Well, again, thank you all so much for having me on and that introduction. And what got me on this path? You know, uh, I had the incredible fortune to have so many uh, adults in my life when I was younger uh, really invest in me and see potential in me when I couldn't see it in myself. Uh, And when I tell you at a pretty early age, I was clear of just like how transformative that was and how it was going to be in my life, right? I think about the things like, you know, whether it's as simple as going to college and six years prior while I was in middle school, having a teacher, you know, see the potential in me and see that my boredom that I had in class was not actually um, me being bored with the subject, but I had to be challenged. But the thing that was in my way was a lot of the stuff that was going on in my life, some some drama and trauma in my family and stuff like that. And if it weren't for that teacher to see that potential or another teacher to see that, like, actually, there was some some leadership skill and potential that was just being untapped and to invite me into things like student council. I've got dozens and dozens of examples of adults seeing the potential in me before I could for myself and, and that really being transformative. And then, you know, I think pretty early on in, in my professional career, I, I realized that that is just not the reality for so many young people. Uh, absolutely. There are young people that have great family members in their life, have great educators in their life, but more often than not, uh, there are more young people that need adults in their life, whoever it is in the community, to see that potential in them and to and to say, like, no, you actually can reach this bar and beyond and beyond. And, and I have that faith and I'm here to support you in that. So, so that's what I'd say, you know, from a macro sense, really got me in uh, to really investing in community uh, in the ways that I have so far and been able to. I'm inspired. Well, see, I, I, yeah, no, that, that, that was awesome. And I, and I love how. You, you pointed that out. And um, I do think we all need more positive adults in our lives, but also just positive every aspect of it, whether it be a, you know, yeah. I, I've learned more from, from the people I've stood shoulder to shoulder with than I have from, you know, the generations prior. And again, that's sure to do with trauma and nonsense and shenanigans and definitely not the right ways to go about things. Um, but I do love how it is coming from this pure point of love. And this pure point of understanding that, you know, people, you know, we need each other. We are a very communal uh, entity and, you know, a, a communal species. So when we sit there and, and, and try to put the positive forward, that's when we can grow completely as a community and, and a generation. Um, what was the first step for you 
in the giving back aspect? Because you talked about some of the teachers and stuff like that that paid it forward to you. What was the first step for you to pay it backwards? Wow. That, that's a great that's a great question. You know, I, I think, again, I, I had a lot of opportunities uh, probably around like the high school age, right, whether it was through student council or other leadership opportunities then uh, that that I grew up uh, in a small town uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, and so so there were a lot of opportunities actually to get involved because our town was so small because there was only one high school. And and so that was a really great opportunity for me to engage with my community, whether it was older people in my community and, and giving back in that way, whether it was uh, giving back to young people in some way, even though I was a young person. Right. Like that usually manifested as like some sort of like sports camps or things like that, you know, like being in proximity to opportunities to contribute to the community beyond just my high school community itself and my peers and, and the teachers and adults there. Uh, I think that that's probably what really built that foundation. Uh, and I'd say also too, that, I mean, having, having a mom uh, who was just really good at, at giving back and, and, and doing that in a way uh, that was just so incredibly selfless and, and just trying to find ways to contribute to uh, obviously our family, but, but the family broader sense around us, like, I mean, that, that, that was my foundation. Right. And so, going into college and then going into my early professional career, I mean, it was always a thing that I was seeking. It became, you know, part of my value set, right? That like whatever work I was doing, uh, I needed to be able to contribute to something beyond myself and, and beyond what like my, whatever my professional pursuit was. You know, at times it was, I was pursuing an acting career. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's now I pursue my own business, but whatever it is, like always making sure that I'm clear about how I'm contributing to my community around me is it, just core to who I am. See, I, I love that, and, and I'm going to push back just a little bit um, sure. for the youth that are out there right now that are very disenfranchised um, with with their community, very disenfranchised with how they feel um, and how they feel underrepresented by their community. I can't say that that happens in – I mean, it happens in New Haven, but it doesn't happen as much in New Haven because I know for a fact with three, three, little, uh, three teenagers out in the world right now, um, New Haven has taken some incredible steps to make sure that, um, you know, the, the youth um, is catered to and as they should be. But how do you encourage some of the, the disenfranchised youth that are out there that are even listening to the show right now? Be like, yeah, this guy can talk this great game because he came from a small town in New Hampshire. I mm -hmm. live in New Haven. And, you know, I, it's, it's tough for me to get up, you know, and get to the corner store to make sure that I can get that breakfast sandwich before I head off to school to be bored out of my mind. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, I, I think when we talk about young people being disenfranchised, right, I, I think one, we need to acknowledge that uh, we are still feeling and will continue to feel the effect of the pandemic uh, for years to come, right? So, so I say that because, you know, I, I was in uh, directly in a New Haven public school, uh, high school, and, and still support and, and some work that I do there in high school in the community, which is one of our smaller magnet schools in New Haven. Uh, but I was there for a long time, right? And, and when I tell you there was a lot of engagement in that school and it took time to build up that foundation of engagement for young people, uh, whether that's like leadership opportunities or, or certain projects or ways that they were finding to contribute to the world around them. Um, it was so incredibly disruptive, the pandemic, right? We know that, right? But, but when we talk about young people being disenfranchised right now, Part of that, not all of it, but part of it is due to the fact that there was this temporary moment in time where we had to have a new normal, where we were incredibly isolated, and then we're asked to come back into school communities in one year that was incredibly disruptive. And then last year was the first real experience where it was like, all right, we're back in school full time with one another. Uh, and, and that felt really different, right? Because things had been so disrupted. So in a lot of ways, when we think about the sort of like leadership opportunities or the ways to engage in our community and things like that, we're in a place, at least from my perspective, where we're building back up, right? Because things were so disrupted because of the pandemic. So that's number one. Now, when we talk about young people being disengaged, I think one, it starts with having a conversation with that young person to understand like, what is it exactly that you're interested in, right? Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat across from a young person one-on-one -on -one or in small groups uh, I just ask them, like, hey, what are the things you're passionate about or, or you get energized by? And they say, you know what? Nobody has really asked me that question. I, I can't tell you how many times that has been the case, right? And, and even if they have been asked once, 
it doesn't hurt to be asked twice, three times, a dozen times, right? Like that is such an important thing that we as adults, whatever your role is in that young person's life in the community, like that is something that you can ask them and take a genuine interest in them. I think the other thing is to allow them to see that there is an opportunity to use whatever it is that they're interested in or think that they're interested in. Because I think that's another thing too for our young people, right? When we when we talk about particularly young people age 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there, right? So many of them have not had the opportunity yet to to engage with a thing that they might be interested in, right? And and it's our it's our responsibility, I think, as adults to help them find pathways to engage with it in small ways before they really fully commit to it. Because we do this thing uh, in our education system, not just in New Haven, but across the country and culturally too, where young people get to 17, 18, and we say like, okay, cool, uh, you're going to go to college? And they have to answer that question. Then we say, great, what are you going to focus on? What are you going to major in? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and we're asking them to do that when they haven't had a lot of time and opportunity to engage in things in different ways to say, hey, maybe I do want to pursue this as a career path. Right? So I think the more that we can, as adults, support young people in seeing how they can engage in things they might be interested in or do have a real interest in, and seeing how that can be uh, a way to contribute to their community is really important. And the last thing I'll say is I think a lot of times um, our ideas of you know engaging with giving back to the community, uh, we, we think so big about it. We think big picture, like how can I do something that's gonna impact all of New Haven or all of Connecticut or all of the country or all of the world, right? Um, and, and one of the lessons that, that I still have to this day that I take with me came from my guidance counselor, uh, Ken from back in that small New England town day where he said, hey, if you really want to like make change in this world, start as local as you can, right? Like, and mm-hmm. some of that change first starts with you, but then it starts with like the community right around you. So for our young people that might say, oh, well, how can I get involved? Sometimes it's looking around like, you know, what are the ways that you're already contributing or want to contribute to your home, your household, right? The neighborhood you live in, right? The small micro community within the community here in New Haven, right? So I think when we talk about really helping young people to understand how they can own their world and identify what their world is in this moment in time. Uh, that's a powerful reframe, I'd say. Do you feel we overthink when it comes to giving back most of the time? Hmm. I think that... I think that we underestimate how much, I'm going to call it small acts, but, but small makes okay. it sound insignificant, but we underestimate how, how much acts that might seem small to us that don't seem like they're going to transform our community in some way, actually how much they do, you know, transform or contribute to the community. So to your question, Preston, like, yeah, I do think we over, we overthink it a little bit because, because mm-hmm. we think about, or I'll just, I'll just say for myself, like I, I do this too to this day. I overthink what the impact is going to be because I want to, make an impact that's significant when really like significant impact can come in this conversation we're having right now can come Mm -hmm. if you sit down and and really help somebody through you know a challenging thing or a moment in time where they're trying to you know make a decision right like so so yeah i think that we do overthink it because uh we think that impact has to look a certain way and that's where we get caught we do get caught up i do agree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love, I love, I love that. I love that answer. I absolutely love that answer, and I'm, I'm going to get more into that answer. But I got, I got another pushback. <clears throat> Let's go real quick. You, you told, you told the youth how, but you haven't told the youth why. Because you want to mm. know something. I'm sitting here. I got the the new uh, Spider Verse coming out for for the PlayStation Five. I don't want to leave my couch. Okay, I'm like twelfth ranked in Fortnite. Um, and that's what I want to do. Why should I get up off my couch and invest in that community around me that for a good portion of my life told me I was a child, told me I didn't matter, Mm -hmm. told me, you know, I should be, I should be, uh, seen, not heard, you know? So what, Mm -hmm. why should we as children, we as children, I'm old, but why should children, (laughs) um, you know, invest in the community? Look, I'm Peter Pan, bro. So let's be real, I, you know. And I and I and I live in a pirate ship with with my three children, so it works out well. I mean, I'm a little upset you didn't invite us to the pirate ship. Then that would have been a really nice place to do this interview. <laughs> Prestige was here. Uh, Preston was here last night. We we we, we after, uh, silly wrestling. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, I, well, I think it gets back to one of the things we were saying just a few minutes ago, right? Which is we are, we thrive off of community. Like that, that's my, that's my belief. We, we thrive and we continue to exist because of community, right? I think one of the most damaging things uh, that has, that, that I've seen in my lifetime in our, in our culture broadly is this mm -hmm. idea of like the self-made person um, because because it's, it's just not true, right? Like nobody right. does it on their own, right? Like you, right. you, you have a community around you, whatever that community looks like, family, friends, your town, your city, whatever it is, right? You have a community around you, right? So, so that's number one. Like, I think that, like that's an important thing for us to like have a conversation with young people, but for all of us in general. Uh, I think as far as telling young people or, yeah, like getting to the why, like that that's a conversation and a conversation over time with them to understand like, what is your why? I think more often than not, right, you, you might get a young person early on that, that says like, oh, why? Like community doesn't care about me or like, I don't really want to give back in some way or whatever the case may be. I think mm -hmm. that, I think we, I think when we're in conversation with each other, but specifically here with young people over time to help peel back the layers, to help them see like what their why is to get to that. We will, you will often see, we will often see that there is something beyond themselves that they can contribute to, right? And then, it, and then it's less about us saying like, oh, this is how you have to contribute to your community or this is the community you should be contributing to. Like they've identified, like this is my community, right? And community might be, you know, I, I've had so many conversations with young people where it starts off with, you know, oh, I, I want to be a basketball player when I grow up, mm -hmm. or I, I want to make millions of dollars, right? I, I want to be an influencer and make millions of dollars. Okay, cool. Like, I, as the adult sitting across from you, I'm going to accept that as your truth. Great, let's be in conversation about, like, why is that, right? And over time, you get to a conversation that's like, oh, well, actually, part of the reason why I want to be an influencer is because I want to be able to have enough money to buy a home for my mom and for my family so that they are good, Right. Now that's right. talking about people other than yourself. That's having an impact on your community, right? So now mm -hmm. we've started to get to that why a little bit and we can continue to get to it over and over. I love that answer because that is- Me too on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Preston, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made EZ Blues is in the building. And why do you love that answer, EZ? Well, I love the answer because that is the, the the truest aspect of it. You know, when we hear the the term community, when we you know we're automatically thinking in the grandest scale. You talked about it earlier, uh, Preston. You know where you know you think about how big the impact, and you need to overthink on how big the impact is. But we talk about it on this show all the time. Everyone drops a pebble into the water, and it is you know that small pedal uh, pebble that gives all these different waves out there, and it's how far that 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 can go. Um, and that is the truth aspect of it. You know, the, your community is your household. Your community are your siblings. Your community are your classmates. Your community is a lot more than just the entire whole. Um, and you can be selective with your community as long as you're not being mean. Um, <laughs> Just being real, uh, you know, so it's super, super important. And I, and I love, you know, where you can start to actually break it down and they can see themselves in their community because that is the most important thing. You know, when you can see yourself in your community, then you are truly building what, what is necessary. And I love that the, we're in New Haven where a young person can see Mayor Elliker walking across to to burgers to to get his coffee in the morning and maybe stop to have a conversation with him you don't have that in other places so you know when your community can be accessible and reachable that is very 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 important um as you are continuing to grow and build and all this fun stuff i know we're talking a whole heck of a lot about um the future projects and and all, all that wonderful stuff um, but you are also a business person. Um, what exactly are do you do there? And you know how awesome can we invest in that community that is your business? Oh, mm, wow, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, so so my business uh, is called Grin and Bear. Uh, we can talk about the name and the brand and all of that sort of stuff. But at its core, yes, uh, it's working with uh, whether it's schools, organizations, or or companies that are really looking uh, to create transformative experiences, but specifically with young people, right? I mean, that's where my expertise is. That's where I have so much uh, energy 
uh, and excitement is like, how are we, how are we supporting whether it's adults or young people directly um, in being able to do the kind of work that we've been talking about here, give back to your community, uh, build projects that have an impact on ourselves and the people around us, all that sort of stuff. So that's what I do. It's a lot of, at this point, it's a lot of consulting work, right? Whether it's with schools, with community organizations, with companies. Uh, so yeah, it, it's great. And it's great to have as honestly, it, it is a side hustle, right? Like it's a side hustle for me because my, my day job is still with the future project, which uh, over time here has, has shifted in where our focus is, uh, but still is work that I'm incredibly excited about. So as far as, you know, how do we support the work of Grin and Bear? If, if you're an organization, if you're an individual, um, if you're a community partner that's interested in bringing me in to collaborate, reach out. Like that's, that's the best way to engage with Grin and Bear. See, that, that's another thing, and I'm, I'm so glad you actually brought it up about the, the name and, and that type of aspect. Because, at least from where I come from, grin and bear was kind of just how you had to deal with reality. You didn't make the change. You grin and bared through it. Um, but this entire uh, concept is about making that change. So what did you make you say, hey, let's call it, in my, in my opinion, a negative? Um, as so that gives you the opportunity to spin it to positive, or was it just like I like bears? <laughs> I mean, I do, I do like bears. Uh, you know, in theory, right? I, I, I don't go hang out with bears, you know, because I'm, I'm, I have a, I have a respect for them. Uh, but, but nevertheless, no, grinning bear came from, I, I think, to your point, like that, that notion of grinning and bearing a thing, right? It, one, I feel like that that is a way in which. Uh, you know, early on in my life, my younger years, like that, that was a way in which I endured things. And, and at a time, like maybe did feel uh, negative, but, but it's been sort of an evolution for me in, in that sort of idea uh, and, and how to utilize it in my life. Right. And so um, the, the brand itself first came about when I was in college, it was at a time I'm going to date myself at this point, but it was at a time where like making mixtapes or mixed CDs was a real thing. Uh, and that was the thing that I was like giving as gifts to people. So still so a bunch of like, my friends that uh, went to Quinnipiac University right down the road here from New Haven. Uh, and so it was a thing that like I gave, a, you know, I gave mixed CDs to. I gave people mixed CDs. Um, and I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, even from the youngest age. And so it wasn't just about creating uh, a mixed CD from me personally. I was like, oh, well, I need to create some sort of like production company. So I created a production company called Grin and Barrett. Uh, and then, you know, it's evolved over time. And, and, and to your point, easy of like, you know, it could be a negative thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm somebody that's really liked, you know, how do you take a negative and make it a positive, right? And so uh, in that in that pursuit, in that work, I think about, you know, how can we take this idea of Grin and Barrett? How can it be more about, like, the reality in life is you're going to have to endure things, right? That, that, that's just part of what life is. And so how can we do that uh, in a way that's positive, but isn't just, um, you know, painting a smile over, over something, but rather uh, really enjoying the process and the enduring of a thing? That's that's that that's awesome, and I actually another answer that I happen to love. I also love the fact that you know <laughs> you like you like bears in theory. The last time I hung out with a bear was like in the eighties. Uh, there was a movie about it. It was on Peacock. You could you could watch it. It was fantastic. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you sit there and you're constantly um, you know invest investing in that that positive aspect. Um, that's very difficult, especially you know coming out of the pandemic. Um, and really, I'll say America more than other places have really been focused on a mental health journey. Mm -hmm. um, how are you able to navigate and how much does the mental health journey work in what you're doing right now? Because how are you able to navigate and continue a positive attitude when, let's be honest, there are some days the world seems like it's on complete and total fire? Yeah, yeah, that's real. You know, you, you talked about the mental health journey, um, you know, maybe the, the pandemic, not maybe, certainly the pandemic was a catalyst for so much conversation now uh, in our, in our you know, everyday life around mental health, around things like, you know, therapeutic intervention. Uh, and for me, like that was, that was a real thing, right? I, I think the pandemic was a moment in time where that feeling you're talking about of like, oh, the, the world seems really difficult in a way uh, that that I don't feel like I can totally handle at this point. Like that was a signal for me a couple months into the pandemic of, oh, you know what? Like I need to actually dedicate some of my resources to, to doing therapy, right? And so that's something that as a result, you know, engage with uh, in the pandemic and have kept up since then. 
you know, um, part of that was like as a result of a relationship that I was in and feeling like, oh, this is a relationship that I really care about. And there are some things I need to work through in my life that I haven't worked through yet. So like acknowledging, okay, it's time to do that. But also just generally, uh, the pandemic, I think, just brought up so much uh, that, that needed to be processed um, with, with friends and family members, certainly, but also from a trained professional, right? And so uh, that's something that's been incredibly helpful in my journey. And I think within that journey is, is understanding uh, that the full gamut of emotions that we experience, one, we have to acknowledge those day in and day out, right? So there are, there are some days, to your point, easy, like there are some days where, you know, it could be the beginning, middle or end of the day where, where things feel heavy, right? And, and that heaviness is okay. And in fact, you know, this is me speaking for me personally, like I need to accept that heaviness, right? Maybe not mm-hmm. dwell in it, right? You don't want to dwell in it for longer than it is there, but accept that it is heavy and, and sort of peel back the layers and, and say like, what is, what's behind that? Uh, so, so yeah, I'd say that like, that's, that's the journey for me. It's an evolving journey. Um, certainly that, that optimism, um, and positivity, um, that, that I like to, you know, bring to community, like is, is there, but, but, you know, I think sometimes too, you, you got to acknowledge whatever your truth is and, and, and create the, the, the right space for that. Right. Like I think, you know, a, a lot of my time directly in school with young people, like there would be moments where I'd say, I'd say to them like, Hey, I'm not at my best today, right? I'd have to get up in front of some young people and in front of a group of them. And I just acknowledge like I'm not at my best. I don't have to dig into why that is, right? But but I think that mere acknowledgement is is helpful for me and, and helpful for them in that case because it's showing one, a real humanness and, and a real desire to be vulnerable, which we don't, I, I think like an, an appropriate level of vulnerability is something that we don't have nearly enough of for, from adults with young people. Um, and, and, and each do more. And so that was the thing I tried to practice with them. Um, but, but also I think, you know, creating the space with young people, um, in one-on-one settings, uh, in group settings where, you know, helping them to acknowledge whatever the emotions that they have, um, acknowledge those as a truth, but also, um, support them in the, okay, how do you, how do you move through this or how do you want to move through this? That's awesome. That that is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. First of all, for being hundred uh, percent vulnerable and sharing. You on this show, you can share as much or as little as you want. It, it's really uh, up to you. And and um, I also love the fact that the answer really does lie in exactly what you started going through. You know, um, it is a community. It is the community that supports you because mm-hmm. by building a good community around you, when those moments get tough, when the world is on fire, um, you have a safe place where you can go to, and you can fully, you know give yourself to and have those massively vulnerable moments. Um, so it, it all becomes almost like a self, I don't want to say fulfilling prophecy because usually that's a negative too, but you like taking negatives and spinning into positives. So it's a <laughs> self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? Yeah. 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 To your point about like the community um, around you and, and how much like that is just so valuable in this journey around mental health and wellness. You know, I, uh, I am very fortunate. I want to give a special shout out to two folks that are a part of the New Haven community. Special shout out to um, Frank Brady, George Black. These are two people that I've had the opportunity Definitely. to collaborate with over a decade. But more importantly, they are two of my very best friends. Uh, and and they are, you know, if you talk about people that you want in your corner, not just to like inspire and motivate you, but also have those moments of vulnerability and talk through things, they are incredible people, right? So, I, so I, my point there is that, to your point, Easy, like the community that you put yourself in proximity to and open up to with that vulnerability uh, is so important, right? And I'd say on a, you know, even scaling back, one of the reasons why uh, New Haven for the, the rest of my life, right? Like if I think about the place that I call home, like while I grew up in a small town in New Hampshire called Kingston, the place that I refer to as home is New Haven. And I, and I think a big part of that is that New Haven was a place that really embraced me, but also allowed me to unearth that vulnerability and really step into the, the kind of person, the, the adults, the man that I, I am and want to continue to be. So, so I think like to your point of community, those specific people, but like the people generally around us are so important. You're in Brooklyn now, right? I am in Brooklyn now. Yeah. So this is something. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's talk gotcha. about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, gotcha. let's, talk about that. let's talk about it. New Haven's home. I'm here in Brooklyn. No, you know, do we, have to, we have time, right? I can tell. I can tell. Oh, we got oh, plenty of time. time. Let's go. Oh, yeah, we got yeah, time. Yeah. Oh, no. We called you out. We got time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Preston let me go for the 30 minute mark. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. Get him. No, so. 
So I mentioned that, um, you know, uh, part of the reason why I engaged in, in therapy yeah. uh, during the pandemic was because of relationship, uh, that relationship throughout the pandemic and, and during that time got more significant. And mm. uh, my, my girlfriend, my partner at the time, uh, we made the decision to move to New York together, to Brooklyn together. And, and that was yeah. uh, that was really hard um, because New Haven had been home uh, and I had such deep roots uh, in, in New Haven for over a decade. Uh, and even prior to that, you know, like I I'd spent a little bit of time away from New Haven, but like shortly after graduating from Quinnipiac, had made a home there, had started a theater company in New Haven that still exists today. Shout out to New Haven Theater Company. Uh, but nice. but I mean, it's been home for, for my adult years. Right. And so uh, that was a big move. Uh, but it but it was a relationship that I, I felt really committed to and, and, and drawn to. And so we moved to Brooklyn together. Uh, and, and that did not last long. Uh, so I, I was here in Brooklyn. Um, and, and made the decision, you know, shortly into that move that, that I wanted to stick it out here uh, for at least two years. And, and part of that had been that it was always a dream as a, as a young person uh, to move to New York City and, and to feel like I could I could thrive there. And, and I moved to New York for a short amount of time when I was pursuing my career as an actor. It was a very des- it was a very desperate situation because being a being an actor early on in your career is just hard for a lot of reasons. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it's real hard. And it's real desperate. And being in New York, and that is not, from my perspective, it was not good for my physical, mental, or emotional health. You oh, yeah, know, a lot of competition. A lot, a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I decided to stay here in Brooklyn. But what's funny is um, I was back in New Haven because I've been doing work consistently um, with my with Grin and Bear, uh, with uh, high school in the community still, still doing some work with them. Mm-hmm. And, and I was there um, in August. And, and I was only supposed to be there for a day. Uh, I was staying at the Omni. And uh, I ended up staying the entire week because part of it was I was in New Haven. I was like, man, I am feeling really drawn and, re- and just really connected to this place. And what is that about? Um, so so I think it is always going to be home, New Haven. And it is a place that like still to this day I see as, you know, if I were to buy a home or, or things like that, uh, New Haven is the obvious choice for me. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place to be. I love that flex. I absolutely love that flex. <laughs> I'm doing so well in my, my business that I own that I was able to get a night or two at the Omni. <laughs> and uh, that was, no, that no, was no. Just a great flex right there. That was great. I pre- That's, yeah. Muscles. It might be a flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can put them up like that. Uh, it might be a flex, except the flex is really just getting the points up on your credit card to actually be able to get the room for free. That, that's, that's what you do. So, so really, it's just a testament to how much I've been using my credit card while living in Brooklyn, New York. Right. Uh, word. Uh, you say potato. I say it's a platinum chain that might even have a spinner. Uh, you know, that's all. That's all. You know, how you got it is not, is not, is not our, our business. It's the fact that you got it is, is what matters. <laughs> but no, it's... it's what so is something... No, no, go ahead, homie. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, because no, I like just, I, I no, just, I just think it's, it's like super, when you play super... basketball and then like mm-hmm. you're, you're you're with that other teammate is like you got like you guys had that ego and you just snatched the basketball from. Him. I just snatched yeah. the basketball from you, and it's I didn't right. want to do that. I kind of want to be respectful, okay. so you continue what you were saying, and then I'll, then we will just do the alley oop. Okay, uh, y'all, y'all yeah. are Shaq and Kobe in the final year. Yeah, man, right I, I don't want that energy. <laughs> I really don't. I don't want that energy. We don't have the Shaq Kobe energy. We really don't. We we kind of have no. like a weight. A LeBron kind of friendship, and I want to. I want to stay sure. like. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Sure. Do I get to be Chris? We're, we're, we're talking about Quidditch, right? You can. Nice. <laughs> we're talking. About, <laughs> we're, talking about, <laughs> we're talking about Quidditch, right? <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're not talking about Quidditch. <laughs> we'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. Um, no. <laughs> Uh, this this is completely come off the rails yes. today. I love it. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of the most fun shows we've had in a long time. But speaking <laughs> of sports, he has a gold medal. Easy. What you have yeah. a gold medal? Where no, you that, have a gold that, medal that, in? that that that's not. It, it's not like a gold gold medal. No. So I um <laughs> I'm a uh, I'm a competitive runner. I, I've done triathlons in the past. I'm now a marathon runner, and so I think the medal Preston is referencing is the New York City Marathon. Metal is like they do a great job with it. It's super impressive, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I was I was flexing last year when I ran the marathon right in November this time of year. Uh, ran the New York City Marathon, but the goal now is to run all six mm-hmm. major marathons. So yeah, this is so interesting because actually 
this time last year, we had Audra from Chaser 8 on who yep. was in her car for the interview because Chaser 8 was playing the marathon. Um, so, yeah. That's, uh, you had a little bit of a New Haven connection throughout there, too. And just, it's so super interesting to see how, like, life truly is connected because you were talking about, you know, the absolute amazing George Black. And, and when you get off this interview, I want you to shoot him a text. Tell him that you hung out with Dustin and he's going to hit you back with, oh, he has twins like me and my brother. Um, and it's just going to continue to go on from there. But he's so connected to the show. This is his old apartment. Stop it. Dead serious. <laughs> I am in his old bedroom right now. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Like his most recent apartment? No, this is about two or three apartments ago. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was going to say, like, I've, I've hung out a lot in that apartment. So, like, that would no, be... No, 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 not, no, not, not the one, not the one um, further, not, not the one further over. The, the one that's in, actually, in, in New Haven, not, uh, um, uh, I forgot the other spot, what it was called. Got it. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll hit him up after this. That's, that'll be really yeah, funny. <laughs> Definitely on WNHHLP one hundred three point five FM New Haven. Myself, Preston, with my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made E Z Blues is in the building. The light bulbs above your head. Easy, go right ahead. Yeah, so I was going to say, hey, Preston, yes. Ali, <laughs> let's go. What? <laughs> what? Uh, for Brooklyn, for living in Brooklyn, Connecticut. Um, what? does brooklyn not have that new haven has so brooklyn new york what does it have that new haven doesn't have yeah i i mean listen i'll say this like mm -hmm. the the food scene in new haven is top notch absolutely and there's just much more of it in brooklyn new york right like you know that there are there are probably like there are probably like eight to 10 places in New Haven that at mm. any one time I'd be like, yep, that's the spot I'm going to. That's going to be incredible food. And I'm excited about it. There's just, there's just so much. I mean, both places have incredible food. So I'm not saying that one has incredible and one doesn't. It's just like the quantity in Brooklyn and in New York generally, it, there's just more of it. Right. And, and so, and, and I, and I think that that's representative like of how I feel about Brooklyn in relation to New Haven. Right. Like what's really cool is like, I can go to New Haven still, you know, which I do pretty regularly and walk around mm -hmm. New Haven and run into like 10 different people that I've got a history with over the last like 10 or 15 <laughs> years and say hi and run into them. And that's great. And that happens too in Brooklyn, which is, is cool and unexpected, right? I, I thought moving to New York, at least this time around and, and living in Brooklyn, like I thought I would lose that. And that, that was something I really, I really love about New Haven. And, and so far, given the ways that I've engaged in community here, I, I still get that. I can walk around my neighborhood. I can, I can walk around different, um, like micro neighborhoods throughout Brooklyn and see people I know and run into each other and, and chop it up for a couple minutes. And so uh, I think both places have that equally. It's just about, uh, it's just, it's just larger in Brooklyn just because of mm. Gale, you know? True. Now with all that networking and connections, did that lead up to having your own podcast, the man up? Please tell me about that. Ooh. Yeah. So, so this is going to go back to George Black and Frank Brady. Actually. So uh, <laughs> since we got time, um, you know, uh, it's gotta be about eight years ago. Um, wow. George, Frank, and I, uh, we all know each other through the Future Project. We became incredible friends because of that work and then built our friendship from there. Uh, and one of the things we used to do, because all of us are into music uh, in different ways, we would get together, the three of us, you know, chop it up as friends, have that kind of mm -hmm. space as, as younger men at the time, like talking about, you know, who do we want to be in our community? Who do we want to be as men going into our lives? Like all that kind of stuff, right? Talk about our big dreams and goals. And then we'd play music together, right? And, mm -hmm. and so... Uh, the first step to that was we had a band called the man band, uh, which we, we did some <laughs> gigs around Connecticut. We, we didn't spend too much time on the name of the band. Um, but, uh, but that eventually, you know, doing that work, having that space, uh, with George and Frank, eventually George and I started, uh, men up as a, as a place really to do that sort of identity work specifically around manhood and masculinity, uh, with, I mean, it ended up being young people. We opened it up to, all people, right. but really, you know, I think because of our expertise, because of the opportunities we had, we were doing workshops, you know, seminars, things like that, uh, with young people talking about, you know, what is a what is a healthy sense of manhood and masculinity that we can bring to our world and, and redefine those ideas because a lot of them are uh, incredibly harmful to, to all of us, right? Uh, and so mm -hmm. we did a lot of that work for years. We started the podcast sort of version one, 
um, during that time. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, it was right around when the pandemic was, was sort of coming up. Uh, you know, George and I, for obvious reasons, stepped away from men up because we couldn't do the work in person anymore. Yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, we were just, uh, you know, focused on different things professionally. So we stepped away from it. And then during the pandemic, uh, I really needed a creative project to dig into. And so I had this moment where, you know, I was in my late 30s, wasn't married yet, still not married, but had this moment where there, there are guys in my life, guys like George and Frank, that uh, mm-hmm. I, I had this moment of realizing that, like, these people that I really rely on and I have incredible relationships with, a lot of them don't know each other. And is the only time they're going to get to know each other at like some big event, like, you know, having a kid or getting married or things like that. And for some reason, uh, I, I just got really inspired by that. And so I invited uh, three of my best friends um, onto, we just did a, a small podcast, which was like seven episodes long. It was reflecting on the Michael Jordan last dance documentary. Cause we were all oh, wow. the same age. We lived through that okay. experience. We're all into yeah. basketball. We're all That's into cool. culture in that way. Yeah. And so what was really cool was to watch uh, their engagement with each other and their dynamic be almost immediate. These three guys that didn't know each other, that were from different chapters of my life. One guy I've known since third grade. Uh, one guy is my best friend from college. And one guy is one of my best friends from my professional career years here. Uh, and to just see them really vibe was awesome. And then I was like, maybe we need to continue this in some way. And so that's where the men up podcast and its current version uh, really came from. And so, you know, we're, we're five seasons in, we took a little bit of a break here in the last eight, 10 months, uh, mm-hmm. but five seasons in, you know, had some really incredible guests and, and really powerful conversations. A lot of motivational speaking, I assume. A lot of motivational speaking. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, what's funny. I, I, I don't know if y'all experienced this with the show that you have, um, yeah. but but there's there's a it's almost ridiculous. There's a, there's a ridiculous level level of clout that you get simply by saying, "Oh yeah, I have a podcast, and we've done several oh, yeah. seasons." Like people think like <laughs> you're you're some big deal. I'm just like, no, we, we just we're guys that turn on the mic and do a little bit of prep work and talk about you know our own of ideas course, yeah. of manhood and masculinity, how to shift that and, and all that kind of stuff. But but it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny. It's funny how that uh, happens. Oh yeah. All, all the time. It, it's, it is rather hysterical because, you know, Preston and I, we're just two ra- average everyday human beings and we go out into the world, average everyday human beings. But then like when people, if people like start to recognize us and stuff, it's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, we do that. Oh yeah, we do that too. Oh yeah, we do that too. And then yeah. we're hosting, you know, we're hosting a panel at the Bridgeport uh, Film Festival. And it was like, wait a second, we were just sitting on the couch playing, uh, you know, that Spider-Man game. I'm going to continue to reference the Spider-Man game. <laughs> supposedly that's supposed to be really good. I don't really play video games. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living it up to you guys. So you're a parent. So you have the opportunity of just watching a great movie while, you're, while your kids struggle in this game mentally and physically. Because, you know, it did a little damage to your hands. But um, Christian, will we ever... <laughs> Christian, will we ever see a reunion of the, of the man band? Are we going to have like a secret show at Cafe Nine one day? Like, talk to me about it. Um, is wow. there, I can make that happen. EP I can make Spotify? that happen. Like, we're dying to know right now because it's very right. intriguing. That's, that is an incredible question, Preston. And, <laughs> and both you and Easy, uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is put the full court press pressure-wise on, on George and Frank. Because I'm all about it. Like so, so as a, as somebody who has <laughs> who has uh, been a performer at heart, you know, since I was a young kid, like I'm always trying to find ways to perform in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 yeah, you know, I think that for a time we, we had a thing with the man man. It was super cool. And I think folks, you know, I think both George and Frank just won folks on other things. Uh, but I bring it up every like six <laughs> months or so. I'm so, I'm like, hey, when are we oh, going to wow. play music again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got to grind them down slowly. So, so you know, if if you guys want to put that pressure on as well, too, you know, maybe well, sooner than later we'll have the Cafe Nine reunion show. Okay. I will, I will, I will put this pressure. I will put this pressure on, on just right here for everyone and all of New Haven. Let's do it. We'll put Shane. You guys, we'll we'll share a bill with you. We'll do a bill. Oh, Shane oh, Penguin, wow. you know, just the the now two time nominated for New England uh, Music Award for Best Punk there you Act. Go. Shane Penguin. Wow. Uh, and the and the man band will put on a show at Cafe Nine in 2024. This is going to happen. Wow! Wow! 2024. Who was the singer? Who was the drummer? 
who was a guitar or, or were you like a, or were you like a, a boy band because i kind of see you guys kind of like as like a boy band well i mean that's oh. why we call ourselves the man band right like i think secretly we wanted to be a boy band but we we're like we're, we're grown men we can't okay. be a boy band that's ridiculous right um <laughs> and so so uh the way that it worked out is i i play guitar uh so you know very much like the musical part of it was was on me. Uh, Frank would often do some sort of like vocal percussion of, of some sort and like some sort mm -hmm. of like, you know, either spoken word or, or rapping of some sort because because Frank has that skill and he's incredible that way as an artist. Uh, and then George was our singer because I mean, George has just got an incredible voice. And and each one of us, you know, Frank and I could could do the background vocals, harmonize and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but but yeah, it was, it was a fun time. It was very stripped down acoustic and stuff. But nice. You know, we, we had some fun and and you know, we, we had some pretty cool, interesting gigs, you know, in our time. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, um, it's going to happen now. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, I know we're talking in some type about future goals, but what are some uh, goals that you have already in store for the rest of 2023 going into 2024? You know what? I love that because this weekend I was just sitting down and, and saying, mm. you know, as, as I'm sure there are some folks out there, too, listening that, you know, we're, we're going into our last quarter here of the year. Uh, yeah. So what can we do to, you know, some of those goals that maybe we haven't started on yet or have been delayed or just need to finish. Uh, so for me, it's a couple of things like one, uh, I really want to get in at this point, it's a half marathon. Um, I, I okay. was in training for marathon and then I had a, a knee injury. I had to get surgery. Ooh. So I've been recovering from that. Um, mm -hmm. So half marathon here in November, uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of work, you know, obviously my future project work, but also several other um opportunities I have with Grin and Bear that it's really about like launching that work in this quarter in different ways, which I'm really excited about. And then there's some creative projects, you know, um, this, uh, this last month, one of the things I had the opportunity to do was uh, take a stand up comedy class. Uh, and then what okay. that opened up was some open mic, but then also we had a showcase and whatever. And, you know, was able to be, you know, pretty good at it in some ways, uh, at least from a, you know, first timer standpoint, I've got some opportunities there lining up. So I think continue to pursue that a little bit more and, and, and see what happens there. Nice. So we're best friends now. Because <laughs> we just I, best I, friends. Yeah, no, because I just did like the entire same journey that you just were on. I just actually finished up the 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 comedy thing and the the whole nine, and now I have like my own comedy journal that I have to write in and stuff. So yeah. Oh, I love so, yeah. it. Easy. So our paths will cross a million and a half <laughs> times from this point on. See, Pre Preston does this on purpose. You I know, do what on purpose. You 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 hook us up with well, guests that are going to be like you two should like just. That's hang not out. purpose. That's... that's my responsibility. I mean, like <laughs> you talk about like who do you want me to get a monotone duck or something? I gotta get someone <laughs> that like you know has some kind of impact in this world. I can't just like yeah. just... yes. <laughs> Is that like I'm a, just I so... spin the wheel on this? You know, I'm just I'm just so glad yeah. that that you know it, it's real it's real people being real people, and and I, and I love that. There's no dream houses or anything that is cardboard, and that that is that is fantastic. Well, easy. One of the things I'll say is I think what we what we just unlocked is that in this mm -hmm. show with the man band at uh, at Cafe Nine. I think yeah. we now know that you and I are at least doing a solid five minutes of comedy somewhere in that show. Oh, 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 I love it. I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's so good. That don't is get so him good. started. I, Please don't get him oh, started. Oh, yeah, no. No, don't, don't get him started because this will You triggered a lot of good stuff in his, <laughs> oh, yeah. his training right now. You don't, don't get him yeah. started. He, he's he's going to go on the whole entire week knowing him. Um, oh, yeah, no. What I are some things you are most thankful for? What are things you are thankful for in your life? And what was some stuff the most proud of as we close out this interview? Wow. Wow. Things that I'm grateful for. So first, foremost, always uh, my mom, Jackie Shabu. Uh, she, yeah, I mean, the, the amount that she has done for me in my life, like I, I, I can't even begin to like rattle off how much she's done for me. But the point is uh, grateful for her every single day uh, and specifically grateful that uh, in my adulthood, her and I have been able to develop relationships as adults and like each other as people. And it's not, I mean, of course, we're always going to be mother son, right? But like mm -hmm. the fact that we're like able to really get to know each other as adults uh, in that way and, and enjoy each other. I mean, it's something I'm always grateful for. And the fact that I have this time with her, that she's still alive, that she's still healthy, all that sort of stuff. Uh, also friends, right? I mentioned George Black, I mentioned Frank Brady, but but I have an incredible network of folks in New Haven, uh, here in Brooklyn, across the world, uh, that are just like 
incredible friends, incredible people. Like they're, they're good to me. They're good to the world. Like they're inspiring and motivating. And so I'm so grateful to have those people in my life. Uh, and then there's, you know, as, um, it might sound obvious, right? But, but I'm incredibly grateful that, that I have my physical health and wellness and, and well-being, right? The fact that I, I can, even with, you know, a minor injury, right? The fact that uh, I have, you know, my entire body is like functioning and healthy and well, and I can go run and, mm-hmm. and I, I can still create and all those sorts of things. You know, I, I think maybe it's just turning 40. Like I just turned 40 back in May, like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was a real moment of like, oh, this might be the halfway point, right? It, it was a, it was a real moment of like, to your point, like being grateful and stepping back and just saying like, what are, what are the things that are, you know, maybe really basic and obvious, but are still like things I'm incredibly grateful for. So those are, those are a few of those things. And then proud of, is that the second part of it? Yes. 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 Proud of. There are, you know, I am, I'm really proud of a lot of the projects that I've been able to take on in my time in New Haven. Mm Uh, now, you know, I, I think things like having something like New Haven Theater Company that, you know, was something that started as an idea back in like 2006 and seven started as a group of people that were performing primarily as improv actors, uh, in the back of bar on like Tuesday and Thursday night, right? Like, and to have that turn into a theater company, like a semi-professional theater company in New Haven that still exists today and still does shows downtown. Uh, is is yeah. incredibly a, a thing to be really proud of, right? And and I think <laughs> any of the things that I'm incredibly proud of often came within some sort of team, with some sort of like community collaborative effort. So so that the work that uh, have been able to do through the future projects, specifically at high school in the community in New Haven, like that's work that I'm really proud of, and proud of that team and the work that we did there, uh, and, and proud of the work that I guess do now with my own my own work through Grin and Bear with, with organizations like Design for America that does really cool design work on college campuses around the country, uh, work I still get to do with high school in the community, those kind of things. I get to like be collaborative um, with folks to, to try to do good in the world. Like uh, I'm really proud of that work. Christian, we appreciate you. Um, we have only a couple seconds left of this interview, unfortunately. But um, before we go, please let anyone know how to contact you and how to reach to you, and then we just do the whole closeout. So th- this little bit amount of time is for you. Well, again, I thank you both so much for having me on this Definitely. show um, and, and just continuing to find ways to be a part of the New Haven community, even if I'm not currently there in person every day. So, <laughs> I, so I appreciate you all so much. Uh, if you want to hit me up to either ask questions from this or are interested in partnering in some way, I think the easiest thing is just find me on Instagram at Christian Shabu. Same thing, Facebook-wise. Those are those are the best ways to, to reach me. So thanks, y'all. Definitely. Christian, we appreciate you on, on Behind the Brand on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Preston, and my partner in crime, who's probably going to have a reunion show in 2024. <laughs> e- Let's go! E- <laughs> Thank you, Christian. Appreciate you. Dreaming of a better home while focused on trying to hold.